City's News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. As you might notice, I am not Walter Hudson. I am Brad Omland, joined tonight by my co-host, Max Reimer, filling in for our occasional spots here in the fall. We are having a party tonight. Joined tonight in studio by Charlie Gerst, Eric Lumpkins, and Marissa Huberty. Now, if you don't recognize those names, that's okay, but they are students at the U of M, and they are having a little event this weekend on the drug war, and we welcome them to the program. How's it going tonight, folks? Hey, Brad. Hey, Max. Thank you both for having us tonight. We are very excited and very honored to be here. And this is Charlie. Correct. Eric, how you doing tonight? Doing good. Thanks for having us. And Max, you haven't talked yet. How you doing? I'm just glad we didn't get kicked off for hockey or something. No, no, not tonight. We're usually uh, pretty open on Tuesdays. It's it's the Mondays and Thursday night footballs and the Fridays ah, yes. go for hockey. Uh, that that will uh, interfere with our schedule. But uh, usually Tuesdays, Wednesdays are are open. And uh, yeah, we're in for Walter because he has his planning commission meeting. So we joined the program tonight. Very so- rarely do I find myself in a situation where. I am both, I think, the oldest person in the room and maybe the most establishment Republican hack in the room. Yeah. But here we are. We're having a libertarian party tonight. That that's I, I think that's rare. Those even. parties are always lame. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know some libertarians who know how to party, myself included. But uh, I don't know. The Republican Liberty Caucus is known for having good parties. The the Young Republicans Caucus is known for having parties. So I think uh, Students for Liberty is uh, had their fair share of parties, uh, fair share of parties too. At least from my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the drug war. Uh, what's what's your event going on on campus this weekend? Uh, for sure. Well, first of all, before I answer, I just want to give a quick acknowledgement to um, any of my Florida or our Florida friends tuning in right now. Uh-huh. Um, we appreciate that. So we have a big group of audience tonight. Cool. So, yeah. So as um, Brad um, was previously saying on Saturday, this coming up one, um, we are having a regional conference at the University of Minnesota from 10 to 5 p.m. Our theme will be the drug war. And of course, you were asking me, so why the drug war? And that's a very good question because every regional conference has different themes. And we critically chose this theme because we are in Minnesota, which is one of the most racially uneven states. And as we all know, the drug war is one of the key factors that drives this um, social issue. So we're going to have speakers from all sides of the political aisle right left middle this is not about libertarian or not it's about people that we all agree with that um, we want to address this issue and come up with uh, solutions that are not with the government sure yeah that that makes sense as a uh, why you chose the drug war and obviously you guys being students i would assume that's a popular issue among young people what's what's the mission statement of the group and kind of how do you sit on campus where do you fit in on the university of minnesota like do you want sfl's mission same as a national organization eric so he's the one getting paid he should neither one of these guys know (laughs) (laughs) they're just here they're both libertarians they're both stoned i I can see it in their (laughs) eyes no not quite so sfl's mission we as libertarians, we believe in free markets, individual liberty, limited government. A lot of stuff conservatives can be on board with, but also a lot of the stuff that resonates with us, progressives resonate, are, are issues that progressives talk about. 
But a lot of the time, um, the political parties can kind of uh, divide us and we don't really see where we agree on issues. So some of those issues might be um, mass incarceration or people getting thrown in jail for a really long time for ingesting a substance. And I think in today's day and age, um, more people than ever on the right and on the left are actually agree on a lot of these issues, but it's the political parties that are leaving the people behind. Um, but SFL's mission, we're not involved with politics. We're not here to endorse any politicians or any legislation or any policies. Um, our mission is to empower students around the world. We're an international organization in 120 countries. And our mission here is to provide them with resources to do the activism that they want to do on college campuses, um, whether that's with free speech, um, decreasing regulation and taxes in the economy, um, decreasing government's role in your social life. Um, basically, our mission is to... Uh, empower and educate communities, students, the world in the ideas of a free society and individual liberty. Sure, and you guys aren't a you are you're a five hundred one c three, right? So you're not campaigning for any particular party or any particular candidates. It's just a organization of ideas. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, um, we we prioritize open discussion. We don't really care about echo chambers or agreeing with one another. We want to challenge each other's ideas, and we want to bring together people from all walks of life all across the political spectrum. That sounds great. Um, but how do you fit in kind of, you know, I'm sure here on Conservative Talk Radio, we hear a lot of stories about crazy kids on college campuses and how ultra-liberal they are and how ultra-liberal liberal the professors are. And even earlier, was it earlier this year or late last year, the Ben Shapiro event got significant press for how for kind of being pushed into the St. Paul campus and kind of being poo-pooed by the establishment and said, you know, he was potentially dangerous. I mean, you guys were there, so maybe you know more than me about it. But how do you exist or what's the reception to your organization being libertarian? Because I, I, you say that we, we go after issues that even progressives can agree with. But what I've seen, even as a libertarian myself, is you can have the right message to target uh, liberals and Democrats, but if you aren't one yourself, they are extremely distrustful of that. So how do you reach out to them? That's a, a very valid question. And as you said, the University of Minnesota is one of the most liberal schools in the country. So as a libertarian group, it's very challenging for us to enter the student um, campus um, life. One of the big things that we focus on is building coalitions. Last year, the, within the same school year, we had an event with um, SSCP, um, college Republicans. Um, while SSCP is also not, um, uh, not it's also a nonpartisan club. What's SSCP? Oh, Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Um, we yeah, it's it's a it's a group that usually lines more with the left, and we also did events with college Republicans, um, etc. So we target groups where we agree on. So with um, oh, another group was Amnesty International. At the we did an event with Amnesty. We had a speaker come to to talk about the Philippine drug war. So what we do is we form coalitions and we seek. Uh, certain groups where we agree on and uh, we do events based off of those issues. This is Closing Argument with Walter Hudson. I am co-host Brad Omland, joined tonight in studio by Max Reimer. We, we are talking with uh, students from Students for Liberty at the University of Minnesota hosting a conference on the drug war this weekend. Now, Max, you are the lone conservative in the room tonight. Do you have any questions or pot shots to take at our libertarian friends? No, well, I'm, I I am interested because, Charlie, you ran for mayor in Minneapolis <laughs> last year. 
I, for our audience, we have a celebrity in the room. Yeah. He ran. He ran. He ran in Minneapolis as a libertarian. So to put it put it a different way, I would think that is uh, that is that must have been pretty hostile territory. Uh, what was more hostile, campus or Minneapolis as a whole? Or was it a, was it a draw? Good question. That's a very good question. Overall, I didn't really experience any hostility from people. It's it's not so much about what party you're you belong, but it's so much about how you talk to people, how you approach people. I was I'm not I I never really started or said anything hostile or anything controversial. It's all about building bridges and trying to um, agree a mutual respect with one another. So I never really experienced anything negative besides like some like Twitter stuff, you know, which is inevitable and some remarks here and there, but not anything significant. Um, if you treat people with respect and you seek to um, form agreements, then you should seldom experience um, hostility. You know, I got to totally disagree with your assessment. And Walter talks about it on the show all the time, Brad. And I know that you push back on him a little bit. But it seems to me in our current political culture that we are at war for all intents and purposes. And maybe that's me putting on my partisan hat. Maybe there still are issues that we we can coalesce around. And I'm sure there there are specific issues we can coalesce around. But especially for you guys on campus, I tend to think that if there is one small disagreement, you will have those same radical kids that you are trying to link up with destroy you. We are talking about destruction at this point. And you saw in the Kavanaugh hearings, you're seeing in a number of different places, I've experienced it myself, that the left, the modern left, are obsessed with with destruction of the opposition i also highly disagree with that comment when you when you say modern left like are we there's radicals of course there's radicals in every in all sides of the political aisle but I, i'm not sure what, you, what your definition of modern left but no i think uh, it's i think it's leadership i think it is figureheads of the democrat party i think it is the people that you see on MSNBC and CNN and the the media political complex that we have right now is dedicated to destroying conservatives and ensuring that they have no power going forward. And for a long, long time, I think I used to have the mentality of you, quite frankly, that we do have common ground. We do have a common bond as human beings. I am starting to think that less and less every day. I am starting to think that the left on campus, your professors, your colleagues at at the University of Minnesota, along with the media, along with party leadership, from top down, they want to they want to destroy dissenting dissenting opinion. So you're am about, I wrong? You're about to get the lecture of, well, I was a libertarian until I grew up. Yeah, see, that's the that's the odd place I find myself in as a as a late twenty something. Is here I am. Uh, uh, establishment hack. Pretty soon I'll be uh, defending the Iraq War. No, so. but go go ahead. Well, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're talking about the media and higher ups. But the first question was about my personal experience, and I deal with obviously a lot of liberals and Democrats. I mean, I go to the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis, and I have basically have never had any negative experiences with any of my colleagues in class, off class. Um, the media's point is always to generate. 
to generate attention, to generate, to stir the pot. Whether it's CNN or Fox News, you're always going to see um, attention generation from either side. Of course, we are living in a hyper-partisanship era right now. I'm not denying that. But to generalize a whole um, a whole block of political party or political group um, of supporters and say that they're radicals or that they have they all have one same mission that mission is to destroy the opponent is a bit in my opinion irrational or or just um an exaggeration overall okay well <laughs> well, well if we have any uh, conservative callers that would like to uh, ask questions of our young libertarian students you, your calls are welcome to somebody at- somebody call in and school these guys i am sitting here four to one in this room right now if Walter were here, I know Brianne is not going to have my back on some of this stuff. We, I, you know, we need some callers. Listen, the modern left, as I see it, and especially on campuses now. I haven't been on campus in a while, and when I was, I was, I went to a very conservative Christian school uh, compared to the University of Minnesota. But you know, when you see uh, some of the actual protests on campus, I just. I get that we can all coalesce around drugs. You know, drugs, it's important to get nonviolent offenders out of prison um, and back into society. I agree with that principle. There's no doubt about that. And that is probably something we can come together on. But I wonder if you're having conversations about what do you think of the Federal Reserve? What do you think about taxation? What do you think about monetary policy? Those same leftist colleagues of yours I believe once they figure out that you have the wrong think on certain issues, will not hesitate to to destroy you guys. Well, maybe I'm wrong about that. Because I, I, if you're libertarian, you know, I I tend to think that you you feel a certain way about taxation. Am I wrong? Well, if you'd like to agree with Max, disagree, we will have more on the other side of the break. Your call is welcome tonight at 651-989-5855. Again, that's 651-989-5855. To chime in on our discussion about young people, libertarians, the drug war, Brianne is taking your calls, producing the show tonight. This is Closing Argument with Walter Hudson. My name is Brad Omland, co-host by Max Reimer tonight. We are joined in studio by Charlie Gers, Eric Lumpkins, and Marissa Huberty, Students for Liberty at the University of Minnesota. This is AM 1130, 103.5 FM, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Informative. Brianne is sending in the reinforcements. Conservative Uncle Ted Nugent. I wish. This is Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. My name is Brad Omland, joined tonight by co-host Max Reimer. We are filling in for Walter Hudson, who's busy on his city council duties. We have started a debate, gotten a few callers on the culture war and the libertarians' view on it. We are joined tonight in studio by Charlie Gers, Eric Lumpkins, and Marissa Huberty from Students for Liberty, a student organization at the University of Minnesota. Now, the discussion we were having was, Max brought up the point of, yes, liberals at war, and we need to fight that. How much do you see this on campus? And Charlie's point uh, was that, you know, we don't see it that often. It's uh, kind of... Or even Eric said it's kind of 25, 25, 25. The culture is split because ultimately there's still the non-voting population, the people who aren't involved yet. So we're taking calls on that subject. Uh, let's go to Patty in Forest Lake. Welcome to the program. Hi, guys. First-time listener, first-time caller. Wow. Great. Hi, right. Patty. Where do I start? Going to the University of Minnesota by 
just by saying going to the University of Minnesota is a bunch of doggone liberals. If you don't agree with the professors, you're not going to get your grade. So you suck it up and you go, oh, yes, sir, no, sir, yeah, I believe that, when you don't believe half of it. And if you think that the Democrats aren't a warring faction in our country right now, I don't know where your head is. Yeah, I agree, Patty. isn't listening to the news. Okay, I'm on a rant. Yeah, love it. They are trying to destroy the Constitution. Chuck Schumer is hell-bent on destroying our system of government. So is Nancy Pelosi. So is the rest of these lunatics around the country. They have done nothing but obstruct, obstruct, obstruct. Under Obama, socialized medicine, the weaponizing of our um, of our, our Justice Department, our tax department. Every downtown department in the government has been weaponized by these lunatics. They are taking over our country. They are literally trying to destroy the country. Indigenous People Day? Give me a break. We're supposed to apologize for having come to the United States? Give me a break. We can't celebrate our founding fathers. We have to apologize for Christopher Columbus. Give me a break. If you're going to the U and you're saying that 25% of the people that you are talking to are, are, no, are what? Are conservative? Is that what you're telling me? I don't believe it for a minute. Just by virtue of going to that. I went to the University of Minnesota. I also went to the University of Wisconsin. This was back a lot of years ago when you could still think for yourself. Patty, all right, thanks, Patty. We appreciate your call. We'll have to let you go, but we appreciate the rant. Uh, Charlie or Eric, a response? Hey, let let me just say, Patty, first-time caller... First time listener, she, she brought it out. I'm gonna do you. I'm gonna do all you guys a favor. If Walter is listening, I'm gonna do you a favor. Patty, call in every night. <laughs> call in every night. She was on fire. You should have her on, Patty from Forest Lake. I, I got to take her call from now on. That's so. a credential in and of in and of itself. But she brought it, you guys. I mean, she says that. Uh, yeah, frankly, you're lying. That's what I heard. Response, Charlie Eric. Um. Well, first of all, it's quite bewildering for me to for someone to tell me I'm lying about my own experience. So we'll leave it at that. Like that's we can all we're all we have our different opinions, different experiences. But I'm not sure how I'm lying about what I'm living day to day. But hey, it seems like someone an hour away knows my life better than I do myself. That's fine. I I am sympathetic with her and where she comes from. But besides socialized medicine, I really didn't hear. And I'm not. And I'm not here. I'm not pitching here for any party, any side. But in rants like these, I am, I I am put in a box. And I didn't hear anything else besides socialized medicine. Besides that, it was just a bunch of people destroying our country. That's all I heard. But I didn't really understand why or how. And I'm not here defending them. I'm just overall sure. saying. Um, but I'm not here to praise nor vilify any party. I'm just talking about my experience as a person in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I was. Full disclosure, I was involved in Students for Liberty when I was in uh, college, so that's how I networked with these guys. But it seemed that you present ideas like, or even names like uh, Frederick A. Hayek, uh, Milton Friedman, or, or say uh, something like, I'm a libertarian, and people go, wait, w- what is that? I don't, I don't know what that is. Which does afford you the opportunity of explaining what it is and what you are. It gives a perfect chance to set set, set the record right. But I think... Uh, to argue against Patty's point, I I assume it's been a while since she's been on a college campus, but that was my experience, at least as a libertarian. I, I think that to an extent she's right that academia is 
generally dominated by by liberals and and even I just as not an outspoken libertarian in class necessarily some classes more than others but um there was I did notice and you could tell the the professors that were liberal they didn't make it a secret it was definitely their quote unquote safe space to go on and say what they wanted but in ter- but I think that the good ones are at least intellectually honest and welcome the debate among students because they see it as brain activity that students are thinking about the issues and they and they do care um but so i think that it's a little far-fetched and the media does hype it up you could say the media relies on that conflict for for views for clicks for likes so so you have to consider that the media's agenda is is to portray that conflict on campus too so i think that it's when you get somebody face to face, when you get somebody and you're just having a conversation with them and, and you're just trying to uh, make an impression on them. I think that it's 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 much more civil and it's not as it's not as high conflict as the media would have you believe. So talking about being in the quote unquote middle, which I, you know, I I got to say, I based on my previous kind of statements i i don't know how much of that exists anymore the political middle when i even see it's less about even mainstream media but certain publications more liberal publications will say well libertarian is code word for white supremacist you hear that now libertarian is code word for white supremacy classical liberal is code word for white supremacy, you hear that type of rhetoric coming out of college campuses because it is dissenting opinion from mainstream leftism, which has become radicalized. Now, I know Patty was on fire. I know it's easy to uh, to sit back and, and kind of laugh at some of the things she's saying, but I certainly think that she's got a point in saying that the left has become a warring tribe. I you know, you guys are on campus. I'm not on campus. I'm not experiencing the same thing as you guys. But really, when you talk about tax policy, when you talk about any other thing that a mainstream kind of libertarian might think, uh, in some cases, your position is more extreme than a Republican. So therefore, you are racist, or therefore, you are sexist, or therefore, you are misogynist, or your policies keep poor people down, or you hate people of color, or whatever the case might be. These are the justifications I hear when I talk about, hey, my taxes are too high. Hey, I would like to not pay 50% of my income. Is that okay? Racism. Yeah, I think, and that's that's fair, but it's it's, it's an intellectually dishonest argument. And the and they know what they're doing too. It's it's just really to shut you up. But um, if you would like to hear more from Students for Liberty, I know that uh, Charlie says he has an 8 a.m. class. I do not miss that about college. So they got to get going tonight. But if you would like to find out more about your event, how can they do? How can people do so? The website is SF Liberty. No, Students for Liberty. dot org slash events slash Minnesota. Um, the date, time, location, speakers list. Everything will be on that website. It's, it's this Saturday, and you guys are an organization for students, but it's open to everyone. Is that correct? correct? Students, non-students, all ages, all types. Um, there will be free lunch, free coffee in the morning, um, followed by a post-conference social at Burrito Loco. Great. Well, we appreciate you joining the uh, show. We'll have to have you on again. It's certainly been a interesting discussion. We, I think that we need more libertarians on the radio. Uh, me and Brianne being the only ones around here are... Uh, 
we we get kind of lonely, so we, we need we need to send in reinforcements, as as Max might say. Every Listen, now and I'm then. I'm very pro Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham these days. So if that even says something about my character, <laughs> I might be more establishment than I even think. Maybe you can check out more about Students for Liberty at studentsforliberty.org. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, guys. Thank you Max. Eric, Thank you, Brad, and Marissa Thanks. for stopping in tonight. This is Twin Cities News Talk. My name is Brad Omland, joined by co-host Max Reimer, filling in for Walter Hudson on Twin Cities News Talk AM 11. 30, 103.5 FM, Radio. Well, just as it got going, we had to let them go. Uh, we were joined previously for the first half hour of the show by a group of students from the organization Students for Liberty on the campus of the University of Minnesota. And we got to talking about uh, kind of liberal influence on campus and, and their experience on campus. And of course, we took the Hellfire and Brimstone call from Patty and Forest Lake. That will, was awesome. That that will definitely be an all-timer. But let's kind of bookend that discussion because I think they're, they're hosting it. The Students for Liberty is hosting a conference this weekend at the University of Minnesota. That's why we had them on. And their topic of the conference is the drug war. And they, even though they are a libertarian organization, they said that they were having... Uh, every, People, speakers from all sides of the aisle on the issue, and I know that even among listeners and even among the people in the studio, we might have different opinions on the drug war and legalizing marijuana, but I think SFL might be onto something in terms of uh, hosting their event on this because, one, it's, it's geared towards students. Anyone can attend the event, but it's geared towards students, and obviously, legalizing marijuana is a popular issue among young people, and they can do a good job of bridging the gap uh, between all partisan divides if they focus on an issue like the drug war. But two, uh, there was maybe. a... <laughs> maybe, maybe, you're right. But there was uh, just an article today or yesterday that came out from Pew Research that said 62% of people now support the legalization of marijuana. And I th that's definitely an all-time high from what I've seen. Even when I started paying attention, you know, five, ten years ago, it was closer to 50. And that was even on maybe medical marijuana. But we've seen to have crossed a threshold of a supermajority. Yeah, and I don't think that should surprise too many people at this point. I think even as science evolves and we kind of get more information about just you know, how actually not harmful cannabis is, you're going to see more and more people change their position. I think in both parties, it'll, it'll become a little bit more mainstream from a political standpoint. I certainly don't think there is... Uh, there's not really a ton of political gainsmanship. I tend to think that these issues fall by the wayside to things that are more important to people's daily lives. But who knows? Those are some good guys in here that you had on, and I hope their event goes well. Uh, they're, they had made mention that they've not encountered severe liberal resistance on campus. Who knows? I don't know what kind of conversations they're having, but... My goodness, if you espouse any kind of relatively conservative viewpoint on just about anything. Part of that could be just to we're being we're in the Midwest and people are generally nicer here. Granted, I did go to school in South Dakota, which is pretty insulated from the any issue on the coast. But when I was involved in SFL and presented myself as one of two or three libertarians on campus, it felt like there there was just the. Wait, what well, is that? There's, there's this, that weirdo. There's this third option that's not a Republican because 80% of people in South Dakota are Republican. Like, what's a, what's a libertarian? Are we even supposed to let you guys, like, on the debate stage, we, we don't even know what you stand for. So I think that, to some extent, just A, our geography, and B, 
what that means for us as people in a culture. I think that there is a little bit more nicety to it, or at least the Minnesota passive aggressive to it of, well, I'm not going to confront you on your face, but I'm going to go on a Facebook rant about how I saw these guys who were supporting lower taxes on campus and how that's racist. Yeah. So it's, it, I would say it, I would agree or tend to agree with, with Charlie's point that he was making that it's, I have not experienced that because I, I didn't either as a student granted, this was, you know, five, six years ago now in South Dakota, but people, people are generally nice to you when you get face to face with them. And it's only, you know, Trump talked about paid protesters at the, at the Kavanaugh rally, which is real. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't deny that it wasn't real because there were reporters like from vice news that said that they were paid. And we've seen that in the past at other events, but unless it's organized resistance and you know somebody shouting with a megaphone and shouting talking points and chants it's 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 generally very civil when you get face to face with someone i know that we have some reaction from the callers your calls welcome tonight at 651-989-5855 brad and max filling in for walter tonight brianne taking your calls let's go to barry in st paul welcome to the program so max went into to, to trying to explain why people think that that marijuana should be legalized, he went went right to well, it's not as dangerous. Why are we even making that argument that libertarians and conservatives? Why aren't we actually exposing our ideas? Is that we don't want government telling us what we can and can't do with our own bodies? Why are we saying well, it's not dangerous? That that isn't the argument. That comes from a conservative or libertarian standpoint. That's the argument that comes from the the left side of the argument that it's okay because we're not if we're not hurting ourselves. That that doesn't make any sense. And I think that's why the libertarians on campus aren't running into as many issues as other as we see. Right? It's because they aren't really arguing it from a libertarian standpoint. They're taking it from a from a left side and making their argument against the left with the left idea. Yeah, but Barry, it's not necessarily a conservative or a libertarian argument viewpoint I'm talking about. It's not conservatives or libertarians in many cases that you have to convince. You have to get electoral victories that make people feel okay about the fact that marijuana is going to be legalized. But by saying that it's not dangerous, right, aren't you conceding that other things are, and then we shouldn't allow those also? Well, Barry, if you take the principle of libertarianism and you take the non-aggression principle, the thing that is the credo of libertarians, that you should not be able to harm someone and they should not be able to harm you, there are immense cases that you actually have to put marijuana up against and say, this is not bath salts, where I'm more prone to eating some bath salts, turning into a zombie, and eating the face of my neighbor, because it's much harder to make that case for libertarianism, and then it's much easier for people to make the case that marijuana is somehow just as harmful. You have to talk in terms of the world if you want to convince the world of something, Barry. That's the only reason I brought it up. I'm just trying to show the point. I'm not telling you you did wrong. Sure. Yeah. And it seems like you're getting defensive about it. But what I'm telling you is is that when you start out at that point, right, you already conceded a whole bunch that you shouldn't have. Got it. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. And we, thanks for your call, Barry. Uh, I've made the, the point, too, that um, wh- I've made this in my don't be boring GOP rants, that 
Republicans can and should talk about legalizing marijuana and the drug war better than the left does. And, and, and they can do that because as the Students for Liberty folks were talking about tonight, they it Minnesota is a state that has a high rate of racial inequality. You know, this, we're a very white state um, and the drug war has been a has been a system or a, an enforcement policy that has historically targeted uh, more racial minorities. And as Republicans, as conservatives, as libertarians, we should be able to talk about it from that standpoint. We should be able to take the, the moral high ground from liberals because it's there for the taking, because they're certainly not arguing from that from that standpoint. To Barry's point, when we talk about how it's just not as harmful and, you know, it's it's my body, my choice. That's that's the liberal argument. The conservative argument is less government. The, con- the conservative and libertarian argument is I have the right to do this. The government is wrong in their enforcement of drug policy. So I just I do agree with Barry's point that we need to talk about we need to talk about it from a libertarian perspective. And we, as Walter might say, we need to take the moral high ground on the issue because it's it's there for the taking. And as Republicans, we uh, or people on the right side of the aisle, we need we need to do that. Uh your call is welcome on that issue, 651-989-5855. This is Brad and Max filling in for Walter Hudson on Closing Argument on AM 1130, 103.5 FM, and Sean. Well, this song is Don't Fear the Reaper. But our topic of discussion tonight here on Closing Argument with Walter Hudson. My name is Brad Omland, guest co-hosting with Max Reimer tonight, filling in for Walter. Our topic tonight is not don't fear the reaper, but don't fear the reefer. We have gone uh, down the rabbit hole. I see what you did We've there. We've gone down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Bree, <laughs> Brianne has her her hand or her face in her hands. Uh, what did you think of that one? Was that peak dad joke, Brian? Yeah, that was, was an audible groan. My mic was off. So, yeah. <laughs> Shoot, I wish we would have gotten that one. But we are talking about Don't Fear the Reefer tonight and the rabbit hole of the drug war. Um, I know that we've got some reaction on the line tonight. Brianne is taking your calls at 651-989-5855 here on Twin Cities News Talk. Uh, let's go to Ron calling a trucker on the road. Welcome to the program, Ron. Hello. Hey, Ron. How's it going? Good. What do you got to say? Well, what I got to say is this. Many years ago, I used to uh, partake of the reefer, reefer. Anyways, what people don't understand is that if they legalize it or decriminalize it, however you want to put it, it takes the burden off the police, the DEA, the FDA, the DNR, and say it'll take technically save lives because there are every year there's several DNR agents at ATF and all the other agencies out there that end up losing officers because they're out in the woods trying to get rid of somebody's uh, butt farm. And it'll also free up space in our prisons, our work farms, in our jails, and it'll also create extra revenue for our state and the government. So you're saying that there, that we should take advantage of the benefits of legalizing and taxing marijuana? Yeah, tax it, make it legal so the banks can deal with it, and so the banks can deal with the money, because so long as it's sitting where it's at now with, with 
the federal government. You got guys like out in, uh, out in Colorado that got rooms full of cash that they can't do a thing with. Yeah, that's true, and I, I tend to agree. Thanks for your call, uh, Ron. Um, yeah, to his point there, and like I said on the end of the last segment, there are a lot of benefits, and and us on the right as libertarians and conservatives should, tar- should start talking about that because uh, the left is not. They're just saying, my body, my choice. But there are economic arguments that we can make that sure. the right side of the aisle tends to make better. But uh, to Ron's other point, it would he said originally that it would free up law enforcement and it would free up the DEA, but you tend to see and the DNR yeah apparently apparently I don't know what that's about but you but you tend to see cop organizations standing against legalizing marijuana for that exact reason and it's because the war on drugs offers them an economic incentive through asset forfeiture to uh, keep marijuana illegal it makes their department money. And so, to to some extent, I, I I think that's somewhat illegal in Minnesota now. Or there's a little roadblock to cops taking your stuff if they suspect marijuana. But uh, that's kind of been the theme related to law enforcement this year. Is that is the the dr- we're so focused on the drug war that we've forgotten about things like sexual assault, like like murder, like violent crimes, actual mala and say interfering on your rights someone else interfering on your rights types of crimes but uh well i think you know beyond just beyond law enforcement issues and and quite frankly i don't want to attribute every nefarious motive possible to to law enforcement maybe it's something we open up to the callers 651-989-5855 i want to hear from the audience is there a reason uh, from a republican perspective from a conservative perspective is there a compelling reason, come and change our mind, that at at most cannabis should not be decriminalized or not be legalized in and of itself for recreational purposes? I, I'm interested to hear it because uh, I certainly, from a freedom perspective, and then honestly, you know, our caller before didn't want us to use the safety issue. Listen, that is a factor in com- in convincing the general public that this is okay. Uh, I am not convinced that it is any more or less dangerous than, say, alcohol. So I don't partake, but I'm I'm interested to hear maybe a a freedom centered version or a Republican centered version of why it shouldn't be legalized or why it should not be decriminalized at at, at very least. Yeah, that's six five one nine eight nine five eight five five. We are getting close to the top of the hour here on closing argument with Walter Hudson. My name is Brad Omland, guest co host Max Reimer. We are filling in for Walter tonight. Next hour, I want to get into speaking of law enforcement. Someone running for our chief law enforcement office in the state of Minnesota, Keith Ellison is again in the news and it may not be looking good the chickens could be coming home to roost i don't want to put the cart before the horse but if you'll recall alpha news minnesota and the star tribune filed a lawsuit to unseal keith ellison's divorce records that hearing happened today and the judge said that he will rule by friday so expect a friday news dump your thoughts quick quickly max well, I will be inter- interested to see what's in that document, and I think we'll probably have a little bit more thorough discussion of yes. what actually happened at that hearing today. 
Chiming in, we we heard from some folks at Alpha News, and there is certainly some smoke, and there could be some fire. Stay tuned. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. Brad and Max in for Walter on Closing Argument. News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. Yes, you've tuned into your regular scheduled programming. This is Closing Argument with Walter Hudson. My name is Brad Omland, usually on the other side of the glass, in the host chair tonight, joined by guest co-host Max Reimer from the uh, Kip and Max Save the World podcast. How are you doing tonight, Max? I am. I'm doing great. I'm had, we've had some pretty pretty good callers. We've been talking a lot of drugs, which is always an interesting topic of conversation. We we are certainly enjoying ourselves tonight. Brianne is taking your calls, producing the show. Again, that number is 651-989-5855. We started off the top of the show uh, starting or talking about the drug war with some students from the University of Minnesota in an organization called Students for Liberty. And now we've shifted the conversation to the candidates for the top law enforcement office in Minnesota, more specifically Keith Ellison, as we are wont to do here on Twin Cities News Talk. The latest development today being that the Alpha News Minnesota and the Star Tribune filed separate but similar lawsuits to unseal Keith Ellison's divorce records. That was heard in court today. And apparently, according to, I think it was Brianna Birschbach at NPR, that the judge or the arbiter, whoever was making the decision, will make his decision by Friday on whether to unseal them or not. And this has had particular consequences, I think, for Keith Ellison. As I said last hour, the chickens are starting to come home to roost. Actually, just a few days ago, I think it was late last week, maybe it was another Friday news dump story, which we will see with the Ellison ruling will be a Friday news dump as well. But late last week, there was a story uh, from CNN, and I think MinPost covered it too, that Keith Ellison is thinking about stepping down as vice chairman from the DNC. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Before the hearing today, maybe it was late last week, Ellison's attorney tried to argue that the divorce records should either be withheld entirely or at least viewed privately, not made not made public, not not put out there for the world to see, which I guess I understand from a privacy standpoint, but we've reached the point of an election is about three weeks away now, and this, and especially in the light of Christine Blasey Ford coming to Congress to talk about yeah. uh, the sexual assault, her alleged sexual assault with involving Brett Kavanaugh, the now Supreme Court nominee. We we are at that point now where these personal skeletons in the closet can and perhaps should that will be the that is the question of the court should become public. And I think right. that Keith Ellison sees the writing on the wall in this may not look good your thoughts max yeah i don't know if he sees necessarily the writing on the wall i think he's going to play it out there's no doubt about 
this that every time there's a divorce divorces are ugly if we are allowed to see these records and that's still a big if there will certainly be some ugly things that that pop up there's just that's what divorce is people accuse each other of things i have actually been and this is max the conservative i have been almost a uh, meta defender of keith ellison in this situation because I, I happen to think you need corroborating evidence. I happen to think somebody is presumptive, uh, presumed innocent and, until they are proven guilty. And that should be a standard we carry beyond the court of law. It should be a, a standard that we carry into the, our own personal lives and how we judge a candidate. Now, that said, I think Keith Ellison is a political cancer. I think there are a number of things to hit him on beyond this. But there will be some ugly things that kind of come out if those records are released. Uh, that was Alpha News that spearheaded that effort, followed by our fearless Star Tribune in Minneapolis, who also sued to get those records um, revealed. It will be an interesting couple days here. This whole thing, this whole situation is is pretty dramatic. We now have an attorney representing Karen Monahan in a story that we referenced a little bit earlier uh, talking about her situation, uh, somebody who happens to be a little bit more conservative leaning is representing Karen Monahan. People are now accusing her of coordinating this entire thing uh, for political destruction. There's a lot that's happening. You have some whispers of internal polls where Keith Ellison is down four points. This is a political disaster for the Democrats, as if they needed uh, one more. This this whole situation, Keith Ellison may be guilty. He may not be guilty. I still happen to think his ideology is crap, but he's in trouble. He's in trouble regardless. The whole party's in trouble. The DFL in Minnesota is in big trouble and it's almost solely because of Keith Ellison. Yeah, if this week goes south for Keith Ellison, and even if it turns out worse than we might think, it's it's not going to look good for the DFL. I I said before uh, around when we had Doug Wardlow on last time, Brad or Max and I were on together, uh, is that the the AG race, the Attorney General race, will be kind of the litmus test for how the rest of the state goes. That is to say. If Keith Ellison wins, Democrats will do well come midterms. But if Doug Wardlow wins, that's very good news for the Republican Party of Minnesota. Oh, there's no doubt because here's the other here's the other portion that that doesn't get talked about as much. Beyond these charges, which to some may seem pretty credible, I don't know. The everything's kind of got me spooked on this whole topic lately. But Keith Ellison does not play in greater Minnesota. No. And there's a number of reasons for that. It's not just the Karen Monahan situation, both politically, personally, things he said, calling for open borders in, in Congressional District 8 or Congressional District 7 in Minnesota doesn't play well there. And he's got some pretty big problems politically. And I tend to think that there are, like I said, some internal kind of rumors that are floating out there. About him being down four points. Listen, if he's down four points in any kind of internal poll, that's a disaster. That's a disaster. And you see it now. The DFL are coming out with uh, parody accounts on Twitter revolving around Doug Wardlow. They're trying to change the conversation away from Keith Ellison and focus more on Doug Wardlow's past than anything. It's an incredible time to, to be witness to all of this. Because I think, like you said, Brad, 
Yeah, it does. The political damage may already be done. Keith Ellison may be dragging this whole ticket down with him. Yeah, I just got a text message from the DFL. This was yesterday. It said, "Hi, Brad. I'm a I'm Cat, a volunteer with Keith Ellison for Attorney General. Keith's Keith's opponent, Doug Wardlow, would cut health care coverage for people with pre-existing yeah. conditions and marriage rights for LGBTQ yeah. Minnesotans and criminalize abortions. We need an Attorney General who believes everybody counts and everybody matters. Will you be a voter for Keith on November sixth? Which I responded, absolutely not. Unsubscribe yep. me from your list. But um, all of these issues she talks about." pre-existing conditions and marriage rights for LGBTQ Minnesotans yep. and criminalize abortions. All three of these things are already legal and have been upheld by yes. the Supreme Court. Yes. They and are not going anywhere, especially at a state level. And the DFL yes. is grasping at straws in terms of talking points to oppose Doug Wardlow. Go ahead. Yeah, Max. they're in trouble because the other part of that, to that specific text message, and you haven't seen this at all, there is no mention of uh, Keith Ellison's uh, record on justice issues, no mention of his time in Congress and the things he spearheaded that would lead to his credentials to be attorney general. You can tell they are trying to pivot the conversation away, completely away from Keith Ellison to make Doug Wardlow this this monster. It's not compelling. It's a hard sell for Minnesotans. It is. And they talk about these issues like health care, abortions and gay marriage. I think that the average voter is going to be like, what? Yeah, that's, Didn't we already settle that? That's right. Like, why are we looking back at this? We're, we're worried about Trump and twenty and 2020 now and, and sure. Kavanaugh and sexual assault. Like we, we don't know. The 2018 election is going to be consequential and that it's going to shape the issues that we talk about for 2020. Democrats say that, oh, we're not going to forget come 2020, you know, all these Republican candidates that betrayed us and voted for Kavanaugh. We're not going to forget come 20. 2020 and 2022, yeah, you will. Yeah, the talking points, the political no environment will be completely different. Your calls welcome 651-989-5855. Brian, taking your calls. Let's go to Mike in Lakeville. Welcome to the program. Yes, thanks for taking my call, gentlemen. Uh, can you hear me all right? We sure can, Mike. Great. Uh, you know, I think it's time for Democrats to demonstrate their virtue. And what I mean by this is um, Brett Kavanaugh had to undergo, what, six, seven FBI background investigations? Yes. And what is preventing the Democrats from getting this information on uh, Mr. Ellison? Surely they want the truth to come out and they want the facts to come out. Well, Mike, the DFL did an internal investigation. And then they said that they could not be objective, so they were going to hand it to the Minneapolis or the Hennepin County Sheriff, who then handed it to some other county. Isn't that good enough for you? Well, absolutely not. And we we know what's going on here. And this has kind of been a complaint I've had regarding the Republican Party, because the Democrats will go to these measures and demand investigations, but it seems like the Republicans will not, uh, just on a satellite issue, set, uh, Feinstein should be investigated and in what happened on No doubt. There. A lot of these things just get dropped, and the Democrats need to be taught a lesson. And somebody needs to follow through on these things and play hardball with these people. Because if they're going to keep getting a pass, we're just going to get more of the same. And, you know, we're, we're hitting uh, above the belt. They're hitting below the belt. 
Sure, but given how things have gone with the Kavanaugh hearing, I think that Democrats could learn their lesson in the election. And I think that uh, Doug Wardlow, I think, is kind of arming up, too, if this Star Tribune and Alpha News lawsuit doesn't go anywhere. I think that he has something up his sleeve to sue for something else. So it's it's not over yet, and it, and it won't be until the ballots are in. But uh, But you make a good point, and... To the to the Feinstein point, I I mean that's kind of a red herring to the larger discussion, but yeah, but I, I don't disagree with his point. By the way, yeah, I think as to, but he calls for investigations. Th- there may be one in the works. This is pure speculation. I don't have any sources on that, but that's but there may be another one in the works. And two, Democrats will learn their lesson in the ballot box. I and again, I've I've said this on the radio. I said here in Minnesota that the GOP is going to lose. But I am less confident on that prediction given how it's going in the larger scale and even Keith Ellison locally. It's it the no. tides are turning on the the red tide is coming in for Democrats. No, and I will say uh to to the last caller's point, listen, I I disagree with his assessment as well. Sure. You see what is happening electorally now, to your point, Brad, to Democrats, because they have overplayed their hand. They sought so viciously to destroy Donald Trump, destroy his administration, make sure that he was ineffective, make up things about the Russia conspiracy hoax, which I believe is a total conspiracy. And oh, by the way. Where is it now? You don't hear much about Russia these days. They did everything in their power. They never took a breath. They never paused to say, what is our strategy going forward? You know, and justice is going to roll like a river. You don't need to do anything on top of what you're already doing. It's why I think that Donald Trump played this brilliantly in the whole Kavanaugh hearing, not giving commentary until late in the process, because listen, Democrats have destroyed themselves. I tend to think that, uh, not to get too cocky, but they have evaporated their chances to dig in and have some kind of blue wave. I would bet against a, a, a massive blue wave happening, even in the state of Minnesota, because voters see that they overplayed their hand. They tried to take justice into their own hands. And when things are contrived and the economy is good and some other really good factors are happening around you, it's a hard sell for voters. It is. Yeah, it's it's the economy, stupid. That's what it comes down to. Your calls are welcome. 651-989-5855. This is Closing Argument with Walter Hudson. My name is Brad Omland, joined tonight in studio by guest co-host Max Reimer on AM 1130, 103.5 FM, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. She's the only one that I've been dreaming of. Maybe someday she will be all mine. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. This is Closing Argument with Walter Hudson, guest hosted tonight by Brad Omland, your regular producer, and guest co-host Max Reimer. Brianne behind the glass tonight. We have hit a nerve, as usually happens when we bring up the topic of Keith Ellison. Your call's welcome on 
the latest developments with Keith Ellison, 651-989-5855. Last segment, we were discussing his re- the recent developments with his uh, court hearing to unseal his divorce records by a few media outlets here in town, and we got into a larger discussion on what that could mean for 2018 midterms here in Minnesota and the country at large. Let's dive directly into your calls. Let's go to Sue from St. Paul. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um I just I don't I don't know the answer to this. I'm I'm I, I'm asking the question. When I first heard um that uh Ellison resigned from the DNC, I wondered thinking about. Huh? He's thinking about doing it. Oh. Oh, is that right? Well, I I'll still ask the question. Do you think he's thinking about it or do you think they're asking him to? Oh, the, good question. Sue, I think that's a great question and thank you for your question. I, I think there's no doubt about it that he's getting internal pressure from yeah. all sides. It, there's You can talk to a few DFLers who will tell you right now that Tom Perez wants him out. Really? And in fact, Who's that, Tom Perez? Tom Perez is the current chair of the Democratic National Committee. So oh, okay. Okay. He, Keith Ellison ran for election against him, and then as an olive branch, Tom Perez brought him on right, right. as his deputy chair. Yeah, he was... This was a position they invented for him. It, That's vice right. That's vice right. DNC chair is not a position that is elected. Sure. It's just kind of like, hey, we think this guy would be a good representative of our party. Let's put him in there. There's no doubt that he is facing pressure from them to resign. And in, in fact, listen, some people get a little conspiratorial and say that this whole thing has been orchestrated by Tom Perez. Well, you see it when... I mean, that's possible because Keith Ellison was definitely had aspirations. In my conspiracy theory mind, he had aspirations beyond attorney general and beyond the House of Representatives, but that's a discussion for later. But I, I think it is indicative that it is internal, and you see it in the way that you know Amy Klobuchar even talks about it. She just says quietly, um, I, I will candidate with my ticket when, yes. when it's time. Yep. And even... And that's, I, that's the line she's been given. Yeah. There, that's... That's a fed line, and you can tell. And there was a story. It wasn't even a story. It was just a quick blurb I saw on the the daily email that the Star Tribune sends out in the, their political update that there was a door hanger going around from the Minnesota DFL or some similar organization, and it was highlighting the Democratic candidates on the ballot. And it had Tim Walls, Amy Klobuchar, Tina Smith, no, none of the state level candidates like uh, Secretary of State, uh, State Auditor, mm-hmm. or anything like that, and none of the local candidates for where they were handing out. And it was also missing Keith Ellison. So I, so the party knows that this is not a good look for them. And oh, no doubt, anyone who is not already, you know, bought into Keith Ellison and bought into the the larger blue wave is hesitant at best to vote for Keith Ellison, if not. Ref- downright refusing to do so and that and yeah like i said that's that's kind of shaping the larger campaign it's it's the the root the chickens are coming home to roost for the dfl and keith ellison keith ellison is losing by five plus points come november and you heard it here first uh, i'd i'd like to see the polls but and i i will give you like 20 bucks if if you're right if if I, i'm wrong that that the dfl does not sweep the state races and doug wardlow wins like I'll, I'll, oh, you, I'll pay up. You will be wrong about that. I, I have said it before. I'll pay up. I'd be happy to be wrong. I'd be happy to be wrong. That would be money well spent from my perspective. But uh, that that is 
kind of what's at stake here. At, at least I've got 20, 20 bucks on the line now. Uh, sure. Still taking your calls. 651-989-5855. Let's go to Colin from Bloomington. Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, hey, I just wanted to uh, kind of ask. I I'm not sure who made the comment, but I heard shortly before you guys went to break, someone said that uh, come election time, you think we'll learn a lesson. Um, I guess my question to you is what? have they done in the last two years to lead you to believe that they would actually learn a lesson from losing elections and not scream and stomp their feet and scream about Russia or some other made-up boogeyman and try to delegitimize elections rather than say, hey, you know what, maybe this is a time for introspection. Maybe we should look at how much of a fringe party we've become and come back to the center instead of going further to the left like they seem to have done in the last two years. Yeah, that's a good question, and I think it shows in how they talk about the issues today. For example, they say things like, we want Medicare for all. What that means is they are going all in on the issue of Medicare, and their their chips are on the table. They are going all in, and they are playing poker at it f for the election, and if they lose... They will go away, and I think that, and they will start focusing on what they can, what they can talk about in 2020 against Trump, because they know that Trump is a different beast when it comes to uh, the issues. And so, if they know that they can't win on the issues alone, they're gonna have to change up their talking points, and they're gonna have to take a new strategy to the table. The DFL should have. My my point is they they haven't changed their strategy. They they've been doing the exact same thing. They've been hammering on this completely made up i mean i'm looking yeah. more nationally obviously i don't I, I don't know what's been going on not quite as keyed in with with our uh, state and local races but th there's been no indication of a, a shift in in direction or anything else on the national level it seems like they are just doubling down on everything else i don't i, that, I so that is, no colin like, do you honestly think that they're going to learn anything or are they just going to work and then go farther to the left and become even more petulant yeah. and, and create a more divisive environment? Yeah, thanks for your call. Colin, I think, I, I got to say, I think Colin is spot on. I don't have any case study that says the DFL or the Democrats nationally are capable of learning a lesson. I do listen to a lot of kind of more mainstream political podcasts on the left. And what they're talking about with this Kavanaugh thing is not necessarily, hey, how do we regroup? How do we make this a political issue? How do we how do we turn this around in our favor? They're not thinking about that. They're not thinking about how do we actually pivot and come up with a cohesive message. Instead, what they're talking is, well, we've lost this fight. It was an illegitimate fight in the in the first place. So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at the impeachment process. And if we can't win that impeachment process, we're going to look at court packing and take the take the Supreme Court and increase the court by four justices when we get power back. I got to say, Colin, I think you're spot on if you're still listening. There has not been a case study that would say they would learn any kind of lesson. They tend to think that they have the moral authority, the divine authority to continue and press on this really bizarre fight. And I think it's going to be their undoing. So when I talk about I think these are warring factions, ultimately, if there is no come-to-Jesus moment for the Democrat Party, what we as conservatives are left with is electorally destroying our enemy, making them a coast-to-coast -coast party, and that's it. A, a big city party, and that's it. 
Because ultimately, I think the caller, Colin, was right. They've not done any introspection. They've not had any cohesive message. They've not actually looked and said, hey, maybe we're out of step with the American people. Instead, what they're saying is we have the divine authority. Yeah, their, their chips are still on the table for 2018 in the midterm elections. But we'll see what happens. Is there a future for the Democratic Party? Do they have a chance come 2018? We're taking your calls on that topic. 651-989-5855. Brad and Max in for Walter here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. Find it. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, online at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. My name is Brad Omland, joined tonight in studio by Max Reimer of the Kip and Max Save the World podcast. We are filling in for Walter. You can join the program tonight. We are just a shout away at 651-989-5855. Brianne in studio taking your calls probably got her uh face in her palms again at my dumb puns you're really hitting them tonight jeez hey you're, you're like a radio host you're setting you're setting me up because yeah. you're playing the music so i'm trying so you know you're setting up you're setting up the jokes i'm just hitting the punchline so we, we got a good vibe going on tonight in place of walter um so yeah we're taking your calls we've hit a a nerve with the keith ellison issue as we tend to do um on conservative talk radio we are discussing what this means the recent developments with Keith Ellison's divorce records potentially being unsealed and what it means for Democrats. Uh, our Democrat, Colin from Bloomington, brought up a uh, good point in the last segment of, are Democrats going to learn a lesson if if they lose in 2018? Um, my take on that is, they're, for now, they're focused still on the kind of 50-meter targets, the 100-meter targets. They, they know that they can't look on uh, from... The midterms because this is all they have right now and will they regroup and reevaluate if they lose which is looking more likely following the Kavanaugh vote and confirmation Uh, we're taking your calls on that 651-989-5855 anything to add Max? No, I, 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 we have a we have a few callers I'd like yeah. to hear from on on this Keith Ellison all situation. All right, let's jump in on it. Uh, Jerry from Minneapolis wants to make a comment on Keith. Welcome to the program, Jerry. Thanks, you guys. Uh, I've been campaigning all my life in Minnesota. I've been campaigning this go-round about the last few months. I have never seen a name that is as toxic as Keith Ellison's. If you go out, knock doors on outstate Minnesota, just the mere mention, people literally physically take a step back. They, they so really? don't want to be wow. associated with that name. We've had Democrats, so I've, I've campaigned for GOP ticket people, and they, they just right up off of that, oh, I'm not voting for him. So, like, please, please don't accuse me of that. Like, it's an accusation. That's what it feels like. So, his name out state, uh, just the mention of it, just causes instant revulsion. That's very interesting, Jerry. You've d- you've been doing this for a while, and you say that there is no name as toxic as Keith Ellison. That is that seems crazy to me. Yeah. The other thing is, in three months, I still have not. No, I haven't campaigned in CD five. Okay. But I still have not seen a single yard sign for Keith Ellison anywhere in the state. I've seen a couple around Minneapolis, especially Portland Avenue, South Minneapolis. I, I've, there's a few, but I think that that's just the nature of the attorney general's attorney general's race. It's not, and the fact that it's not a presidential election year. There's not sure. going to be as many yard signs, but but I take your point. 
Um, the last thing I was just going to say is uh, since the Kavanaugh hearings, it has been amazing to see the instant reaction from Republicans. And so they're, they are fired up. These hearings have really, especially here in Minnesota, um, we have so many more volunteers. Usually I'd go up with maybe a group of two or three door knockers. Wow. Now it's eight to ten people. And to the learn a lesson point that you guys are making, at least in the short term, exactly what Brad said, I don't think they are. I mean, they're talking about impeaching Kavanaugh, you know, exactly what he said, stacking the court. So I think they're going to keep the Republican base revved up. And the internal polling uh, that most people are seeing is that this is making a five to seven point difference in Minnesota races in the statewide level. Yeah, and Jerry, thanks for the call and keep up the good work out there in the field. Coming from a Republican, it sounds like you're doing some pretty good work. Uh, to that point, it's not only just Keith Ellison who's seeing some of the repercussions of even the Kavanaugh hearings, but Tina Smith's internal polling, from what I hear, is dropping like a lead balloon as well right now. Hmm. Are the hockey mom commercials for Karen for uh, Karen Housley working out? No, I think it's more. Or le- I, I I don't know. I will I will say that. Uh, but I certainly think that Tina Smith voting no on Kavanaugh and then making uh, it a press release type issue. It, it hurt her, and and I know that's what Democrats were telling her to do, but she's in deep trouble. Hmm. That's that's interesting. I mean, and it is indicative too because this uh, the Senate, as we know, is a statewide race, so they're not insulated from the from the larger beliefs and politics of the state. So I, I, I am very interested in seeing in seeing the new polling numbers if they should come out soon because I've seen I've been seeing the same rumors on social media that internal polling is not looking good for Democrats. Still taking your calls here, 651-989-5855 on Keith Ellison and anything else you'd like to talk about. This is Brad and Max filling in for Walter Hudson here on Closing Argument. Let's go to Barry in St. Paul. Welcome back to the program. So this is my concern, is that if the left loses again really hard and then come, come presidential election, they lose again to Trump, and this fires them up, it only took 15% of colonists to fight for, to decide, and make the other 85% of people make a decision which side they were, whether for for England or for separation, to, to start that war. What will it take now for the left to force that issue, to make, make us decide to have to fight if they start doing that. Because they've already taken arms against people. They've already tried to say that this shouldn't happen. They've already attacked the, the core of what is our country. What's the next step? Yeah, and where are the... Where are the battle lines? That's you know that's not the first time I've heard this this theory that hey down the road if Democrats continue to alienate themselves and it looks like they're pretty comfortable doing that where where does that leave us because we are in a war right now it's certainly not a physical war but it is an ideological war I I was telling our libertarian friends earlier in the show there are no moderates. Uh, in my mind anymore like you are forced to pick a side i have non-political friends who are reaching out to me saying that hey i had an experience at work or i had an experience at school where i was called sexist out of the blue there's a war that's happening right now i don't know where it ends up barry to your point and quite frankly i don't know where we draw the battle lines because it's just people amongst us well and and that's the problem problem I see is is that who's going to start it is going to be the left, because they've already shown a propensity towards being 
being aggressive and physically, let alone going beyond that. They're, granted, we can't paint everybody as lunatics, but there are enough of them in there that if it started, that that's what's going to happen. And then we have to respond. And if we respond, it's going to get dangerous for everybody. Yeah. And, and Barry, thanks for the call. Listen, I, I know that sounds a little wacky, a little conspiratorial. We're talking about a potential for a civil war, but Listen, I mean, we are in an ideological conflict right now. And to Barry's point, if, hey, if the left starts the war, the right, you know, the right's got all the guns. <laughs> that's know? that's true. What I happens? Our caller, Colin, a couple nights ago made that point is we if if it does come come down to man versus man, the Republicans got the guns. <laughs> so hopefully, who, listen, hopefully there's a miracle that happens, you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where it ends up. But to Barry's point, he talks about how the left is starting the war, and we may be at war. But the left is on the verge of losing the own war that they are that yes. they started. And so this is what it's come down to. It's it it's really are you going to win? Are you going to lose? The the left is kind of coming down to their last issues. I don't want to. Well, grasping at straws almost, but they're they're really kind of taking their their last stand and saying, remember the Alamo, uh, remember Doctor Ford. Uh, if nothing else, and willing to perhaps go down on the ship. We'll we'll see what happens come 2018 and 2020. Uh, your calls, We let's go to break a little early so that we can continue to take your calls. Uh, 651-989-5855. We've got one more segment left here on Closing Argument with Walter Hudson. My name is Brad Omland, guest co-hosting tonight with Max Reimer from the Kip and Max Save the World podcast. You are listening on AM 1130, 103.5 FM, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. I heart. Hey! 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 See me right out of the sunset. The Keith Ellison news could have explosive implications for the political scene in 2018 here in Minnesota. This is Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. Brad and Max filling in for closing argument. One more segment left on the show here tonight. Your call still welcome at 651-989-5855. Your thoughts on what the recent developments on Keith Ellison's potential unsealing of his divorce records means in 2018 and perhaps what uh, the Kavanaugh confirmation means for politics across the country as a whole. And then maybe we will end the show uh, ragging on Hillary Clinton a little bit. Yes. But in the meantime, let's take a call from Eric from Chanhassen wanting to weigh in on Democrats. Welcome to the program, Eric. Hey, guys. I'm a, <clears throat> I called in with Walt once, but I'm a recent move in from Texas. And I'm going to tell you, if you think Keith Ellison smells bad here, it's really worse uh, down uh, where I'm from. So pardon the accent here, but I'm from Minnesota. And I will tell you, we like Corinne, Housley's, uh, sorry, Corinne Housley's ad uh, for hockey is working because we moved up to Minnesota for hockey. Uh, so huh. we're glad to be a part of this community, but we're going to help make this thing red. I was going to point out, <clears throat> uh, the Democratic Party accuses the Republican Party of moving further and further to the right. Nothing could be further from the truth. Now, I just have a little list here. We're not the ones that elected a radical associate of the Nation of Islam as a party official. We're not the ones that redefined marriage or tried to force that on the states. That's, a, that's family law. That's states' rights. We're not the ones that attempted to seize the apparatus of health care. We, uh, you know, we didn't wage a racialist-driven war on police to score political points to pander to specific communities. We've never used violence or destruction of property or intimidation as a means to enact 
um, you know, po- political animus. Um, you know, we didn't seek to play racial politics and pick groups against each other either. It's, I think go on and on and on. This is just a few things I thought of while I'm in here. I'm not a good speaker, but I'm angry. I'm driven. Eric, you're from, you're, 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 I'm praying that, uh, that, uh, that uh, sorry about that. Can you still hear me? Yeah, no, and Eric, I just wanted to to make your point. Uh, you had your list there. Listen, you're from Texas. Your neighbors to the east. How quickly we forget. We had a we had a congressman get shot on a baseball field because of the Democrat rhetoric. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Come on, we we talk about the radicalization of the right. I mean, I I think you're spot on. It's they're doing what the, they're accusing us of doing what they're doing right now. Absolutely, and we got to and we got to stand up to this. And look, the, you know, the last caller, I, I worry about the, the descendants, you know, us descending into you know some kind of conflict. Let's pray that it doesn't go to that. Let's stand firm on our conservative ideals. They are winning ideals, and we just have to stay true to them and stand up where we can and just keep praying for our country and just and just do what we can at the polls. Here in a few weeks. God bless you guys. You guys have a great night. Yeah, thanks for your call, Eric. We appreciate you tuning in. Amen uh, to that. Yeah, yeah. I think that what uh, Eric was saying tunes into Max point, Max's point, where he was saying that my moderate friends are coming out and asking me what's wrong and what yes. I can do in the 2018 election because there there may not be moderates anymore, but and but they are certainly coming out of the woodwork and coming out against the Democratic Party in in Max's experience, anyways. Well, I think I, I treat. And it keeps it keeps me grounded, but I have four bellwether friends who are completely disengaged from politics. I get wrapped up in my own bubble, Brad. I, I, I'm sure you do too. Working working with Walter a little bit, and even though we try to we try to exercise a little bit of diversity of thought into our own lives, you do get wrapped up in your own bubble. You do wonder what is actually a big deal to the people who are making the electoral decisions. I keep about three to four bellwether friends who, when they ask me about something politically, they both lean one side or the other, but they are politically disengaged. And when I get a text message from one of them, that's when I know that something is a real big deal. In fact, it was the first indicator for me that Donald Trump might be onto something. One of my buddies who lives in Louisiana, he loved Donald Trump, non-political. The most political thing that he would go into was uh, keeping his fireman's pension. But when he when he came out and told me that he loved Donald Trump, it was like, oh, my goodness, if you can get him politically excited about something, you're on to something. So keeping those types of friends, this Kavanaugh thing was a big deal. It just was. Well, it speaks to the Walter made this point. I think it was late last week that, you know. If we are at war, how is how are the kind of the average Americans going to come out? The people who go to work from nine to five or own a business and aren't politically tuned in. How how are they going to react and how are they going to, quote unquote, survive this election? And I think that it's people are noticing because we've not gone we've gone past civility. We've gone past the as I was saying earlier with the with the Students for Liberty folks, we've gone past that civil face to face discussion that uh, we are still sometimes fortunate enough to have that it's just shouting and pointing fingers and calling people racist and making blatant accusations that are that are against each other just as citizens uh face to face that are just patently false and i think that that's where people draw the line of hey i'm i wasn't fighting this war but now you say i am like yes and you're making these accusations against me how can i defeat that how yeah. can i come out against that i think 
I think ultimately you'll you'll be forced to pick a side. You you'll be forced to uh to call the count what you believe and if you don't necessarily believe something 100% one way or the other, yeah, too bad. Yeah, we'll we'll end on that tonight. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. This has been Brad and Max in for Walter Hudson here on closing argument on Twin Cities News Talk. Thanks to Brianne for producing. Walter will be back tomorrow night and we'll be live the rest of the week right here on AM 1130, 103.5 FM and Talk.com. Thanks for listening.